Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Listening to the Deb Frankel Podcast, a podcast designed to open up the conversation surrounding grief and to ensure young grievers feel less alone. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with young adults from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. The good, the bad, and the banter. Hey everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. Just before I begin I want to let you guys know that this will be my last episode just for the rest of July. Basically this month I am moving house um, this Friday. I'm starting a new job at the middle of the month and it's also my birthday and I'm going on holiday at the end of July. I just feel like with so much going on I'm going to need to take a little bit of time out just to kind of look after my own mental well-being with so many changes. And as, of course, all of you guys will know, when you're kind of going th- through all of these like big life changes, the only person that you want really to talk to is your parent. So I am really missing my mum this month and I just feel like I need to put myself first, but I am looking forward to coming back in August and releasing all of the fantastic episodes I've been recording over the past couple of weeks and sharing them with you guys. The British Podcast Awards are out and I would love it if you would consider voting for the podcast for the Listener's Choice Awards. Um, the, the award rewards, the award rewards, the best UK podcast voted by fans. So if you found the podcast useful or if it's positively impacted your life in any way, I would be so, so grateful if you consider giving it a vote. The link is in the show notes, but please don't forget to check your emails after you voted to confirm it. Also, the deadline is next Monday, so if you've got time now, please just like quickly fill the form in, it'll only take a few seconds. Um, it would mean the world to me for the DPC to like win it or to even get acknowledged, um, you know, just trying to get the podcast out there to reach as many young people as I can. Tag the DPC on whichever social media channel, you, channel that you use to show that you voted and I'll share it as well. So yeah, thank you so much for your support in advance. Um, now to go into this week's episode, so this week I was joined by the lovely Emma Dutton, she is one of the co-founders of Untangle Grief. It was actually really lovely for me to record this episode as Emma and I know each other from when we were really young and in high school, we both lived in the same area and we recently got in touch with each other again through the grief community and of course through our own mutual losses. We recorded this episode a while back and I think it's important before we begin just to give you guys an update on what they've been up to. 
So Untangle Grief, which you'll learn more about in this podcast, rebuilds life after loss by connecting people with like-minded communities, experts' advice and admin tools. Their brand new app is launching in a few weeks time and you can pre-register on their website www.untanglegrief.com but you can find out more by listening to the podcast so I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I can't wait to come back again and just share more stories with you guys in August in the meantime please take care and stay safe Anyway, so yeah, let's go into your story then. I'm kind of in a weird yeah. way. I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to hearing it. <laughs> it will be, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how like, obviously we've like come from a similar place and then probably gone like this and then ended up in a very similar, similar place, place as well. Which, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. super interesting. But yeah, so I suppose my, my grief story is when I was 20... 20 I think so I'd just been on holiday with my boyfriend at the time we were in Greece um and I was like ringing home every couple of days and my dad wasn't very well like he had he'd been complaining of a really bad neck ache for quite a while and he Mm. was just like really under the weather and like quite grumpy um and he's that was like completely out of character but he was like obviously quite being bogged down by like feeling a bit shit um and I remember really vividly I spoke to him on the phone whilst I was in Greece and he'd been to the GP that day and said like I feel really rubbish I've got this neck pain like I'm just feeling really under the weather and the GP had completely dismissed him and said um you're yeah you're probably you've probably just been fighting off a virus like you're just coming down with something um take paracetamol rest it'll be fine so then he'd gone home and I'd spoken to him on the phone and he was obviously really like just like really grumpy that he was feeling really crap and like no one was really taking him Mm. seriously and so I was having this phone call conversation with him and I remember putting the phone down and I said to my boyfriend I was like and he was like kind of like being a bit bitchy about the GP like oh that's so shit and it was so unlike him and so I remember speaking to my boyfriend afterwards I was like god he must feel so horrendous because like he's really out of character he's not usually like that so he must just be feeling terrible um so, but, but kind of didn't really think anything of it. And then we came home from Greece. And then I think the day after we got back, my sister, I think she was, I can't remember if she texted me or rung me, but she was texting me and she was like, hey, what are you doing today? She's older than me. She's seven years older. Okay. So like, what are you up to today? And I was like, oh, not much. I like just had breakfast. It was like a Saturday or something. And she was like, all right, okay. And then she was like, oh, um, dad's gone into hospital. I think you should come home. <laughs> she was like, don't worry, nothing serious, but like maybe you should come home. And I was in London at the time. And obviously they were up north in Cheshire. Yeah. So I was just a bit like, oh, well, what's happening? And she was like, oh, not much. Like he's just gone in for some tests. Oh, gosh. She was like, maybe you should come home. And I was like, okay. And she obviously didn't want to tell me anything. So I was obviously really far away. Yeah. But you, know, you just know that something... Yeah serious yeah. is happening like that gut feeling exactly so then I was like I, I remember I was texting my best friend from uni who's also called Emma she was actually weirdly on her way to Venice um, so she was in the airport and I texted her and I was like oh my god I think something's wrong with my dad like he's gone into hospital my sister's asked me to come home I'm on the way back now and she was just trying to be really nice and she was like oh um 
like I'm sure it's fine like it's good that you're going back like text me let me know how it goes anyway so got home on the train got picked up at Hartford <laughs> by my <laughs> uncle and yeah so my uncle picked me up from the train station and I was like this is strange and he was like quite quiet and I was like this is really weird oh, and I got God. home and then my auntie and uncle were there so my auntie that's married to that uncle and yeah and then my mum was like crying and my sister like was the kind of like looking at me like like being quite welcome home yeah like everything's fine but it's really not um and I was just like what the hell is going on like it's such a weird atmosphere and then my mum and my sister sat me down in the living room and then my my auntie and uncle just kind of like disappeared and my so my mum was like crying and my sister took the role of kind of being like peacekeeper I suppose and she was like oh dad's not feeling very well and he's had some tests and it looks like he's got um I think she said lung cancer at that time I can't really remember but obviously Mm. kind of like broke the news that he'd had cancer yeah and I was just like oh my god okay not what I expected um and then my friend Emma she'd at this point she'd then landed in Venice so she texts me like how's it going are you back home and then I just text her back like my dad's got cancer oh. and she was like oh my I'm god <laughs> yeah and she's like I'm so sorry and obviously she'd been saying to me earlier like I'm sure it's nothing don't worry yeah. and she was like oh my god I'm so sorry like yeah so and um, the way that I kind of deal with information like that is I think my immediate response is very kind of like pragmatic so I was like okay that's fine like right what do we have to do so he'd gone to hospital so he was in hospital because he's he was obviously like not well um so it was just me my mum and my sister in the house but also my, my auntie and uncle were helping and I was like okay that's fine like he's got tests like we've got like all those different steps obviously to do so I was quite pragmatic and I suppose like the emotional side didn't really hit me until probably a lot later because I kind of kept busy um and then like long story short he was ill for 20 around 20 months um so he had lung cancer that had already metastasized into his brain which is why he was having neck pain because it was at the bottom of his brain um so yeah he at first we were all super annoyed at the GP but then Actually, it was my dad who obviously when his kind of medication had made him feel better, he was like, well, to be honest, I wasn't presenting with like the right symptoms. Like he didn't, he wasn't really symptomatic. So like fair enough, the GP didn't pick it up because he was just coming in saying he didn't feel well. Yeah. And I think as well, you kind of have, uh, when you go to the GP, you don't always say exactly how bad you're feeling. Yeah, like, uh, kind of, yeah. It's, it's such a British thing, isn't it? Yeah, like, like, oh. I feel I feel quite shit, but like I'll be I'll be all right. I just want to know yeah. what it is. But in reality, yeah. you're like I feel horrendous. Like, horrendous. Yeah, it's so true. And only like well, when he was well diagnosed and being treated, he was like, oh yeah, for quite a while I couldn't really type properly because like I would be hitting the wrong keys when I typed, and that's obviously mm. his coordination because it was in his cerebellum. Yeah. Um, and we were like, why did you not tell us? And he was just like, oh, I didn't really think anything of it. So mm-hmm. there, w- there was obviously some things that he he wasn't like being picked up, what he noticed, but he just wasn't saying anything, which yeah. was probably partly fear as well. Yeah. Um, so but did, yeah. You have, did you have to go back to London then after you'd, you'd, had, you'd had this muscle <laughs> Yeah. Um, so oh, I was, God. <laughs> so I was 20 and I was doing a year, um, year in industry. So I was yeah. doing like a, 
year out of my degree and working. So I was working in London, um, which actually in hindsight was probably some ways the best place I could have been because I was an intern and obviously I wasn't that important to the business. Mm. Like I, there was nothing pressing that I had to do. Yeah. I was just kind of helping out. You had no um, exams and stuff like that. Exactly. And, you know, I didn't have any exams. Yeah. I wasn't like missing anything important. My managers were obviously really good and they were like, don't worry, like take as much time as you need off, go yeah. and see your dad when you need to. Um, so and in, in some ways, if I'd have gone straight into my final year, finding all that out in final year would have been an absolute nightmare. Yeah, so um, what, what part of the year was, was this happening? Was this like summer? Yeah, so he was diagnosed in September, the very end of September, October yeah. time was when he was kind of like getting ill, like going to the GP and following up with things. Yeah. And then his official, official diagnosis, I think, was October. And then he was then being treated. So he had brain surgery quite quickly. So... Yeah, for whatever reason, they thought they could on his brain. Mm. Um, it was always palliative care because it had metastasized. It was always like, like it was in his Trying to extend life. life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So he, he got, he had brain surgery very quickly. And then he had loads of rounds of radiotherapy and chemotherapy, um, which all kind of just blended into this like one long stream yeah. of like 20 months of doctor's appointments. And I was, yeah. so I was living in London, um, but I would come home most weekends, um, which was again, quite emotionally exhausting because like going to Houston on a, on a Friday night at seven, oh. like 6 PM is like <laughs> the worst. Yeah. It's literally horrendous. Yeah. So I'd, I'd be doing that every weekend. Um, you must have had so, a lot of pressure on your relationship at the time as well. Yeah, yeah. And bless my boyfriend at the time. He was really lovely, but he just hadn't experienced anything yeah. like that. I mean, he has really. Like, yeah. So he was just like, "Oh, like, how's your dad? How's things?" And I was like, "Oh shit! <laughs> like, he's gonna <laughs> die." Yeah. So, like, people were supportive um, as much as they could be, but I'm yeah. sure you've experienced this. Like, no twenty-year-old or like young adult like old teenager they you just haven't really got the experience so you no. just don't really know how to support your friend when they're going through yeah. that people were really like they tried really hard and they were really nice but yeah they just didn't really it's just it, such I a suppose. huge thing isn't it and it's and it goes on for such a long time like my experience was similar to yours and my mum was diagnosed terminal and we had it like about 20 months yeah um, yeah and she didn't have any she didn't have any treatment in that time to be fair she rejected it she was like you know i'm the, i'd rather kind of just live life yeah exactly <laughs> um, but yeah it's it's such a weird time that in between time when it's like how's your dad and it's like well is or like how's your mom like well they're gonna die yeah, so, yeah they're really know. unwell <laughs> not, not great yeah. but you don't, you don't want to say that to people do you because kind of say yeah yeah i mean you know it's fine because you'd exactly you don't want to make them feel uncomfortable for asking so you're like yeah. oh yeah don't worry like you're minimizing your own My life's falling apart <laughs> yeah did you go into your final year then yeah so then so obviously he was ill so I finished in London in the summer I then went home for summer which I kind of can't really remember to be honest mm. and then went back to uni and then had my final year so he was ill throughout my final year I mean he was he was kind of at that point he was kind of okay in the sense mm. that he was still like like he was working a bit probably well, not as productively as he he thought he was <laughs> he was self-employed like um, <laughs> literally so he had an office he worked from home he had an office in our house um and 
I think there was like a huge like ego thing that he uh, and again like as a man of the house like he he was really proud on the fact that he like looked after the family and like he was like needed in his work and people relied on him and obviously when those things started falling away like he wasn't capable of doing those things I think his ego took a huge hit Mm. Um, and it would make him at some points quite like a bit not aggressive but a bit like frustrated yeah exactly like and so and and he obviously had this office in his in our house and me and my mum were like I think he literally just sits there I don't think because his brain was battered from like the Mm. chemotherapy and radiotherapy like he was so exhausted and just like couldn't put sentences together so he wasn't productive but I think it was like his little man cave that he could go and sit on his own like what a break from all of you guys I bet (laughs) exactly exactly and then when he came out he'd be like oh yeah I've been really busy at work today so he still felt like he had his kind of role and responsibility yeah um and I think yeah that was really important for him to still feel like he was productive and like valuable I suppose which is really sad but yeah um so that was kind of all happening I went back to uni I did my final year and then so in like the Easter time the Easter holidays he was like kind of I suppose he was going downhill but it wasn't really obvious yet it it was still kind of like just it all turned into like the same slope yeah and I had my dissertation to write and I chose to stay at uni for most of the Easter holidays because I was like I just need to like my grades weren't amazing and I was like I just need to like really put a lot of effort into this um and like in hindsight now I'm like oh should I have spent more time at home then but to be honest it's so hard being at yeah uni exactly parents dying or ill yeah yeah and I think he of all like my dad was always like so kind of like quite traditional and he believed like getting a good degree and like getting a good job and that was his biggest fear is like if we weren't supported that like that was terrifying to him so actually yeah. us making the best for our future was actually really like like calming to him so the, yeah. the fact that I was like doing well at uni he was like okay yeah that that makes me feel safe because hopefully then you'll get a better job and then you'll be like safe and yeah. comfortable um so he didn't really mind like he he wasn't bothered that I stayed at uni but in hindsight I'm like oh god should I have gone back but I did he like him and my mom came up I, I went for like a week or so home out of the five weeks and then went back and was literally just working and revising at, at uni and he, they came and visited a few times and then then I had my exams obviously that was like super intense and then he he was at that point getting quite a lot iller um and then obviously the kind of like slow decrease of he was then yeah he like he was then very much in end of life um and my mum got a hospital bed at home so he was kind of like in a hospital bed at home because she didn't she was quite traditional and she wanted him to be at home when he died yeah Yeah. um and then like all the kind of family started coming and visiting like he has a lot of family abroad so they all came and visited and like it's such a bittersweet time that isn't it yeah it's super weird (laughs) yeah all the people that you would love to see but in different circumstances (laughs) exactly yeah and like his his brother came from from Botswana and his um his dad came from South Africa and my grandma, his mom came from Ireland and like they had quite, quite 
fraught family dynamics like they like they I don't think they'd all been in the same room for like probably 30 years but all of a sudden they were kind of like making amends and so yeah it's that really weird bittersweet thing of like Mm -hmm. it was really nice but actually it was for this really kind of horrendous reason um and yeah and then he just kind of yeah got sicker and iller and so I I think I'd yeah I'd finished my exams I'd then come home I think I was home for a few weeks as he was like really like at end of life and was just yeah just not really with it and then he died on the 9th of July and then his funeral was like I don't know a week or two later and then the day after his funeral was my graduation so (laughs) so the night of his I literally but you know when like you're just in it and you just don't even adrenaline yeah exactly you're just like of course of course it is oh well on to the next thing and like yeah it was just so yeah the night so his it was his funeral and then that night me and my sister drove me and my sister and her husband drove down to Warwick which is where my uni was and then I we stayed the night in Warwick and then my mum and the rest of the family drove down the next day and we had my graduation (laughs) wow which is just, yeah, it's just an absolute whirlwind, so, yeah. That is just, yeah, I can't, it's funny, isn't it, the things that you do after your parent dies, like the amount of adrenaline that you've got and stuff, that the things that you wouldn't recommend anybody else does. Oh my god, yeah. Like, not uh, not at all, like, after my mum died, I think I, I um, travelled to Birmingham and then to Hanley for two weeks Pandora training away from home really and had to and like, like come yeah, home for a funeral for a day I was like yeah I'll be all right I just need to do it and and every night I was yeah. like in the hotel room sobbing my heart out and like it probably wasn't the best thing to do but you yeah just, you just think all right I've got to carry on I've got to carry on exactly if any of your friends were like oh I'm gonna go to this work thing you'd be like what no mad. <laughs> like, sit at home yeah. yeah I did something really similar I had um in the in the like two weeks between my dad dying and his funeral I was working at a conference like it was just like as a student um and they paid reasonably well I was just like like hosting people around and it was a three-day conference and my mum and my sister were like you are going to cancel that right and I was like no I'm still going to do it and like my dad had literally died like three days before and I was at this conference and I didn't want to tell like I was working with a few of my friends and I didn't want to tell them because I didn't want them to feel awkward. (laughs) Did you not tell them? No I don't think I I told like one of them but there was like two others I just didn't mention it. (laughs) It's hard isn't like oh yeah by the way my my dad died three days ago like exactly (laughs) and then they're like (laughs) <laughs> I did that to the, this random girl that was training me at Pandora in Hanley um, I was like by the way um, I've got to go home in two days because it's my mum's funeral she died the other day and she, oh this girl was God. like oh <laughs> like oh why God. are you here <laughs> you are mental <laughs> yeah it's crazy and I literally I think yeah as you say it's that adrenaline it's you're not even and I suppose you're probably a bit aware that if you do stop and if you do actually realise exactly you realize the magnitude of what you've just gone through like my brain kind of operates on being super pragmatic so it's like okay what's the next thing I need to do yeah which probably isn't the most healthy (laughs) how did you find um your dad kind of passing away at home because I think it's one of the things you know we say oh yeah they passed away at home blah blah but Mm. um my mum passed away at home as well but it's um it's more the dying process for me Mm. that that, that's hot that's that was probably one of the biggest things that I struggled with after my mum died was yeah. every time I thought about her I thought about her dead yeah that was the last time I saw her like yeah and it, it's it's really traumatic yeah like, really awful 
I agree. And I think it was one of my biggest gripes in the kind of first couple of weeks, months after my dad had died, the way the like media portrayal of death <laughs> is that in someone, films and stuff exactly exactly someone just kind of like slips away and closes their eyes and stops oh, breathing no, it's not like that. exactly and I was literally like oh my god yeah so we were all in the room so my so we had kind of like a downstairs um room it was an office but we turned it into like yeah. his his room and my mum we put a double bed in there so my mum would sleep in there and my dad was oh, in a hospital no. bed yeah. so it was it we made it as nice as it could be and it was really nice and like my mum would play music in the day oh. and like yeah so it was actually a really nice space um and he like for quite a while he just wouldn't die I know that sounds really (laughs) for like three days and you're like okay yeah exactly and like he was like on death's door and we're like oh it's gonna be today and then he just wouldn't die yeah and it was a really weird time because obviously we didn't want to yeah it was like everything in life kind of stopped and we didn't want to be like going out like shopping and stuff because we didn't want to be too far away from the house Mm. it was summer for me so I, I wasn't I didn't have work or anything. I was starting work in September. Um, and it was it was kind of like, it was really surreal. It was kind of like really boring, but also you know that you're one day gonna look back on this time and been like, oh my God, I wish I'd like made the most of it. But really that you yeah. can't make the most of it because it's what just- What are you supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, so there was like a coffee shop down the road and me and my sister and um, her husband, because they were staying in the house as well, because obviously we didn't know when it was gonna be. We'd literally just go for coffee every morning and just, it was like literally five minutes down the road so we could have got back. Um, and it was just like, we'd just sit there and be like, I just think it's gonna be today. And like, I don't know. Like, you just won't die. Such a um, weird experience. It's so bizarre. And then, yeah, it's so weird. And then um, I think it was quite difficult as well because it was quite difficult for family because my mum obviously was going through her own grief, which was obviously horrendous, losing a, a husband, a partner. Um, and she, my mum's a nurse, and she kept kind of like, like, faffing (laughs) so she would keep like moving my dad and like he was he was at that stage where he was literally like almost like seemingly yeah exactly seemingly unconscious like asleep and would kind of like look up every now and again but that was it yeah um which again I think people don't realize people don't realize you have that stage of where you're just it's like you're asleep but you're not um and she kept like moving him and like and then he would kind of like yelp in pain and then me and my sister would be like leave him alone like and she'd be like no he's not comfortable and we'd be like just like don't you're obviously like making him uncomfortable by like trying to rearrange him and she was just like baffing and it was yeah and then obviously and then like she was obviously incredibly fraught and then like my sister and my mum would end up having an argument over him and I'd be like guys like stop it like if you're gonna argue like go into another room And, (laughs) and everyone's just really like processing in their own way and it's really really difficult um so that was it was it was, it was so stressful actually looking back and then the the day he actually died so two of my friends from home we went to the blue cab <laughs> we went yes. to a pub and they were like asking me how's it going um and <laughs> how's it going <laughs> yeah and then we just I was just like oh god I'm just like so bored like like what is going on this is ridiculous my life is ridiculous and I also this is tangential I also got really obsessed with Love Island at that time it was like the understandable yeah it's like the first big series of Love Island I think yeah it was a couple of series ago Mm. and um 
it was complete escapism. I just watched Love Island all the time because yeah. it was so distant from my reality. Yeah. Um, Could not be because they're like yeah. half naked in a foreign country. Just like, <laughs> exactly. only problems you've got are who you're going to couple up with. <laughs> exactly. So I watched so much like trash reality TV because it was like yeah. pure escapism. Um, but anyway, so I was chatting to my friends and then my uncle rung me and he was like oh just to let you know like your dad's breathing's changed a bit so like maybe you want to come home and I was like okay cool so I ended up leaving um came back and he we'd I think I don't know but some someone maybe the district nurses had told us like this signs to look out for that yeah. he was like in end of life and dying so his breathing had kind of got obviously a lot more kind of deeper like the death rattle um like a lot of phlegm and my mum um, had that for three days really it would like echo around the house at night when we were trying to sleep it was just oh god it's, it's such... a horrible sound horrible yeah sound. exactly and it's it's just yeah I think the dying process so obviously went from that and like yeah the whole like lo- elongated process of like slowly slowly dying and like your different parts of your brain like yeah. shutting off and it's such a bizarre thing to be in the room of so we were all in the room so my auntie and uncle who were just basically there all the time just trying to help us out my sister her husband me my mum obviously and my dad um and we were all around him when he died but again yeah it was like a really kind of slow process and yeah it was just it's just really weird isn't it it's just such a kind of surreal experience nobody prepares you for it like no, even, not even like the Macmillan nurses and stuff that come around and they try and prepare you for it. Like it, it doesn't like yeah. you know it's it, the perception that you have of death. And even when you're kind of trying to talk to your friends about it, I would never talk to my friends in much detail about just how traumatic it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just yeah, it's just such a horrible thing to have to go through, especially when you're like you know twenty. Yeah, <laughs> when your parent dies, just. Yeah. It's so bizarre and like, I can't even like, do you know what I mean? I can't even fully remember, you know, when you mm. like remember like glimpses, but not yeah. actually the process. And um, yeah, I just remember my, so because he like wouldn't die, um, everyone was kind of taking it in turns or my yeah. my mum and my uncle, like taking it in turns, like reassure him because I don't know if this is true, but they were saying how, oh, sometimes people hang on when they think that like, they're worried about something that they're, they're yeah. not letting go yeah. so my mom was like having words with him like everything is fine like you just need to worry. go <laughs> yeah like we're all safe like and then my uncle had a separate word with him where he was like don't worry like I'll look after the girls like you can go now and it was yeah it's like so sad in retrospect um that yeah and but I think I don't know if it's true but I've heard from other people that there might be a significant date that people hang on to and then that date happens. Like one of my, um, my co-founder actually for Untangle, um, she said that for her granddad, her grandma was like, you have to stay alive until our wedding anniversary. Mm. And then he died the next day. So (laughs) it's almost like people kind of hang on to something. Yeah. Well with, um, with my mom, like we had all my family over. It was like a really busy atmosphere in the house. Like we we have a kind of, kind of like a, a room in the front, or in the back of the room, and him kind of goes on to the living room. It's kind of like a bit of like a hub of the house. Yeah. And then people were around her constantly. And there was on on the day that she died, my grandma had got a, a tray full of coffees and and put it in the living room. And everybody had gone to the living room apart from my dad. 
and I, remember, yeah. and I sat on the sofa looking into the room that she was in with my dad drinking this cup of coffee and it was the first time they had both been alone together for a while yeah and her favorite hymn started playing red like oh. red like hymns that on repeat yeah yeah started playing my dad put his arm around her just because he felt like he hadn't cuddled her in a while and then she died oh like, my gosh and it's just those weird things isn't it like yeah. you do, I, I do think it's true i do think that people feel like they know when they feel like it's the right time for them to go mm. i think then, that's so true and that like not wanting for everyone to be there they want to yeah. just be quite quiet and calm yeah. and with yeah. their immediate family so what was the aftermath like for you then like did you have people yeah. to rely on and to talk to you about it like so god i think that's where everything started to unravel <laughs> well it was it was tricky so um, i think one of the biggest things that i've learned i suppose like looking back so it's been it's been almost three years now it'll be three years in july is that everyone obviously grieved everyone had their own independent relationship with that person and they're all grieving in their own way and quite often that can kind of that it can cause a lot of arguments and a lot yeah. of fragment fragmentation of families yeah. um and i think as well like trauma like that also within a family unit also brings up previous trauma so i think it was then a really difficult time so it was obviously the end of the summer so it was kind of like august time um and so i was still at home and i was moving to london in september my sister kind of eventually moved back to her own house um and that she so also in all this time she had a, like a seven month baby oh, wow. <laughs> that was just round and yeah. it's really weird we cannot remember where the baby was when my dad died. I'm sure he was just asleep, but none of us can remember. And he is a bit of a nightmare. So the chances that he just slept soundly when we all were a bit busy. Slim. (laughs) Yeah, seem really slim. Like he's always, bless him, causing a nuisance. But but yeah, I think he must have. I think he must have just just been asleep, which, you know, when you look back and you're like, oh, actually that's kind of weird that he kind of knew that to just give us some space for a bit. Don't make a noise, okay? (laughs) I'm just going to be quiet for 20 minutes. Um, But yeah, so my sister obviously got back to kind of her family life. My mum really struggled, obviously. Mm. There was times when my sister... Got re- so my sister's amazing in like high stress situations. She's yeah. the one that kind of goes into like, like what we're gonna. She's an A and E doctor, so like ah, yeah. come, comes yeah. with the territory. <laughs> um, she's really good at high situation, high stress situations. But then I think on the flip side, she then kind of bottles up all her emotions and yeah. like tiny, tiny things will then make her feel awful. Yeah. Um, so it will be like kind of seeing other people with their families or like those like little things will then make her be like oh my god whereas my mum my mum kind of just was sad all the time like she was like she cried a lot which again is is really probably cathartic and really good um and then I don't know I I think I just got quite distant I think that's the way I processed I kind of went really inside myself and didn't really like I don't think I really grieved properly. Mm. Um, I just kind of like put it in a box. Um, And it was a really difficult time because my mum, like me and my mum basically were just not helping each other. We were both grieving completely independently of each other. We weren't coming together in our grief. We were moving apart in our grief. Um, So it got quite fragmented and I was just really, really miserable being at home and like grieving. And I just, I don't know, it was just, it was just not 
I don't know, it wasn't helpful for me. No. And then I ended up moving to London, obviously in the September. And then I started to feel a lot more like, okay, like this feels better. I've got, I've got think, more. Do you think you felt like you were kind of stuck in your grief because you were at home in that very, in that present time and like, yeah. you know, you, there was no moving forward for you until you moved away? Exactly. Yeah. I think that's really true. And I think my, like, yeah, me and my mum were just arguing so much. And yeah, I think. Okay, I'm going to like, it's very difficult for me to explain the story without actually explaining the story. And I wasn't going to say it, but I'm just going to say it anyway. <laughs> so quite quickly after my dad died, my mum started a new relationship. Okay. Um, and I think that really fragmented me and my mum a lot because I was, I was like incredibly loyal to my dad. And then I was like, wait a second, if you're, if you're like in this new, it was like obviously quite a slow burner. So they were just kind of like, chatting but um and I was a bit like wait if you're like having these kind of conversations with someone else like did you even give a shit about my dad like yeah I get that so I think I then got quite defensive about him and his memory and like protecting that and my mum obviously was in a completely different situation where she just lost her husband she was feeling horrendous um yeah she was yeah she was incredibly lonely and she was incredibly emotional but I think that that fracture and that divide um like did not do good things for our relationship so I think eventually I was well I mean I was moving anyway so I was just like I need distance from this I kind of don't want anything to do with it um so I moved to London and then I think yeah that space and also to kind of think of think of my own grief as independent from the household so I didn't really have to think about everyone else I could just I was on my own track and I could think about myself yeah probably helped a little bit um and eventually in London so in the March probably I then got counseling so I put it off for ages because I was like I don't need counseling and then my anxiety was just getting so bad and yeah I, I didn't really attribute it to grief but I was just like god I feel horrendous all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um and then yeah so I eventually went to see a counselor which I feel incredibly privileged to be able to do that because it was through my work um like work health care oh, brilliant I, I that's think, good yeah, so it was like really easy for me to because counselling is bloody expensive. Oh, yeah. It's really expensive and I just feel like it should be like everyone should have access to counselling. It's such um, a, it's such a huge problem. But. Yeah, exactly. And even on the NHS obviously the waiting lists are really long and like you only get six sessions and it's yeah. really tricky. So yeah, I think counselling should be a lot more freely available. Yeah. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
you shouldn't have to be rich or like in, in like a privileged position to be able to, to like, be able to speak to someone about your feelings. <laughs> exactly. And there was so much that I kind of hadn't realized that I needed to unpack. Um, like I learned so much about myself and the way I respond to situations and the way I process situations. And yeah, that shouldn't be a privilege. That should just be like everybody. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Obviously now you've set up this like, grief group, which is amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. What kind of led you to that then? Cause obviously you like, you know, in a similar situation, you kind of have to be at a point in your grief when you're able to Yeah kind of give your you kind of you have to give you have to come quite bare to be in a situation mm. like that because you get people messaging you and stuff and telling you their stories and yeah. you know it's it's very soul bearing doing that kind of thing so mm. tell us more about untangle then yeah so I was working obviously so when I went back to London I was working at a bank um in the city and it was really busy and like everything was quite intense and corporate um and that was fine. It was like a good first place in my career. I learned a lot. It was good to see how kind of big companies operate. Um, but I was just like, as the kind of years went on, I was there for three years in total. As oh the years God. went on, I was kind of just like, I just wasn't really feeling fulfilled. I was just a bit like, oh, I just, yeah, it's yeah. fine. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I was like, oh, this is fine, but it's not really like fulfilling me. And I then was like, okay, I'm going to look for a different job. And I was looking for different kind of roles. And I realized that I, I was really interested in things to do with social good, like companies that were doing something to kind of make a positive impact on the world. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, these, these companies look amazing. I didn't really know this existed. Yeah. Um, and then eventually found a job uh, advertisement for a program called Zinc. And it was basically um, an incubator scheme. So you applied as an individual um, who was kind of entrepreneurial, wanted to do something with social good. And throughout the program, they helped you build a business and oh, wow. they'd support you and they, they gave you a salary for nine months so that you could, well, a stipend for nine months so that you could kind of live off it and build your business. Um, so I was like, oh, that sounds really amazing. And then, um, so... So Zinc basically run a different mission each year. Mm. So I was applying for the mission of adding five quality years to later life. So basically looking at people who are in uh, middle to later life and how actually product like new products and services are a lot more geared to young people, to millennials, yeah. to people who have iPhones, people who live in cities. And actually there's a whole host of problems that, that people who are older are facing and no one's kind of really looking at and trying to help them um and my background was that I was a software developer so like anything that was kind of tech for good I was like oh yeah this is fun I feel like I'm using my skill set for good so I was like this sounds really interesting um and then so I wrote on my so you had to apply and you had an interview and I actually wrote on my application form you had to talk about three areas that you were interested in and in the kind of like later life support and obviously my biggest drive was bereavement, um, mm. having watched my mum, myself, et cetera, go through it. Um, and my family, I was like, this is just shit. Like there's really not much support for when someone goes through a huge loss. Um, there, there's so much to do. There's like death certificates and yeah. calling up all the bills. My mom was just in bits. Every time she had to ring up a utility company and tell them like, my dad had died and she needed to change the name or cancel the account. Oh, it's horrible. 
exactly exactly she would just literally cry every time she told that story because my favorite thing would be when somebody would ring up asking for my mum and I'd be like sorry she's dead and they'd be like over yeah okay (laughs) so awkward oh my god yeah it's yeah and like receiving posts in their Mm. name and like it's just and I was like why is there not so obviously Macmillan nurses if you look on the other side when someone's in end of life people like Macmillan nurses are amazing yeah and they're kind of with you every step of the way and you have all this support and then the person dies and then it's like you're on your own again yeah and it just doesn't feel like there's a continuity I'm sure there are services and there are charities obviously that help but it's less kind of you, you just you have, feel a bit like... It takes effort to find it rather yeah. than it coming to you. That, I think that's what the issue is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've kind of like dropped out the system, whereas when you're kind of yeah. going through the, the, the uh, treatment and things like that, you're in the system. Yeah. Um, so I talked about this in my application. I talked about it in my interview. Um, I was like, I think there's a real need to help people through bereavement. Um, I've watched my mum go through it. And, and obviously, if people kind of... It's so... I think the thing is, it's so... Um, it really hang like how well you're supported in grief really hangs on your kind of life status. So if you do have good relationships with your family, if they live nearby, if you have enough money to potentially pay a solicitor or whatever, yeah. or a counselor, even train um, fairs to see family. Like exactly. You, like de- depending on where like your life set up yeah. depends on how supported you're going to be. And it, yeah. that doesn't really feel like it should be the right way because if you're not supported, then obviously you're more likely to, to like, that to develop into mental health problems anxiety depression like a lot more like trauma and unpacked trauma there's a lot of kind of quite serious things that can come out of unsupported grief so yeah so so in zinc that's what I was like I really want to do something to kind of help people like my mum basically who had to go through that and um and then I met Emily, who is my co-founder, and she was quite similar in terms of she was looking at these kind of big mid midlife changes, so these kind of trigger points where something really impactful happens to you, um, and all of a sudden you have to change maybe like your house or like mm. um, your economic status changes, and there's like really big changes in your life. And actually, if you can support someone through those changes in a positive way, they're much likely to live on longer till 80 90 whatever in a more supported happier way um so yeah that's basically where untangle came from and we've been working on it since probably like january yeah um so at the moment we're kind of really focused in bringing together communities of people who've had a similar experience to loss so we run support groups we run online support groups um and the way that we think we're potentially a bit different from from maybe because we did a lot of research into what's available and obviously there's loads of grief groups on Facebook and there's like, yeah there's like thousands of people in there and no yeah. one's really supporting each other because obviously they're not in the, the right place to because they're all going through their own grief um so we saw that and we thought okay this seems a bit silly because no one's kind of facilitating this or like leading the conversation and can take that like emotional brunt if that makes sense so we basically anyone who signs up to our services we match them with a small group of people who've been through a similar type of loss so for example for me it'd be someone who's experienced someone who's terminally ill for a long period of time probably experienced anticipatory grief went through that whole like cycle of medical appointments um and then that person died because that is a very different type of grief to someone who died in a car crash and the family did not expect it yeah massively 
Yeah, so we, we, we put small groups of people together and then we have a facilitator as well. So someone who can, who's trained as an active listener, who isn't a counsellor, but is able to basically facilitate the conversation in terms of it's then not up to anyone else to, to have to reply if they're not having a good day and they're not in the right space or it's just to have that person that can kind of be there for you and yeah and that also understands and it's like you know when you say to your friends like oh my god like I just heard this song and it really reminds me of my parent and they're like oh right and they don't really quite get it yeah whereas yeah. Like we want to create a space where you can literally like say that to this group and like, oh my god, yeah, I completely understand. Yeah, like, that me and the um, day. me and a few girls from the grief community on Instagram, we've got a little, yeah. group, we've got a little um, WhatsApp group chat. Um, yeah, so all of us have lost a mum. Yeah, so it's like very kind of like particular and like yeah, people say stuff like that all the time. You know, like yeah, like, I saw a dragonfly today and like dragonflies like remind me of my mum and like you know it's really nice things like that. There's always at least one person who will be in, in a right mental place to be able to respond even if you yeah can. exactly and I think it's so like one of my friends um she also lost her mum from terminal cancer as well and we were this was way before um I started working on Tangle we were just having a chat about like oh like the r- most ridiculous things that came from having a parent that was really ill yeah. for a long time and she was saying how her mum would um you know, I'm, I'm sure you've probably experienced this as well. You know, when they kind of stop eating and you're trying to get them to eat and then they, one day they ask for a certain type of food and you're so excited that they've asked for food, you suddenly buy like 10 oh, packets of it. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're like, oh my God, they love it. They're, they're going to eat this. Yeah. And we were joking because she, she, we were talking about that and I was like, oh my God, yeah, it was exactly the same with my dad. And it, for her mum, it was rice pudding, I think. Aww. Like one day she asked for rice pudding. So then they bought like a cupboard full of rice pudding because they thought she'd want it. And then she had one and she was like, yeah, I don't really want this anymore. Yeah. And then she was, my friend was like laughing and then, because um, they just had this this cupboard of rice pudding for like the next three years. But they were like, yeah, don't know what to do with this. But those kind of like little stories that, no one else would get yeah but I was like oh my god yes we did exactly that yeah and it's just nice to have that that point of relation and like someone who gets it yeah one of the biggest things for me when when my mum had stopped eating um she we froze loads of pineapple pieces because she Mm. really liked like she loves sweet food froze loads of pineapple and we wrapped it in like this like gauze kind of cloth material because she could no longer actually like eat but mm. um when you put the frozen pineapple in that and she would like kind of suck it because mm. then she'd kind of get the juice out of it like chew it yeah yeah and like what, one of my big like kind of strongest memories from that time is sitting there and like with like this frozen pineapple wrapped <laughs> in this cloth and like sticking it in my mum's mouth and I was just like what is my life come to <laughs> yeah exactly it's like this is ridiculous yeah and there's such like there's such niche specific memories like no one yeah. else would be like oh yeah I've totally I've totally yeah. that. It, you have to, it takes one to know one basically yeah definitely definitely yeah, yeah. so w- what's the future looking like then for Untangle at the moment yeah, so we're we're building up our communities. We've had really great kind of reception. Um, lots of people finding it really valuable to be in these groups, which is really great. Um, and we're basically so at the moment the groups you can when you fill in the form that's on our website, you can self-select your your form of communication. So you can choose email or WhatsApp. Um, but actually, I'm obviously a software developer, so I'm actually building an app that 
is going to basically contain the chat so you'd be able yeah. to go on the app and you'd have the chat there yeah. um, so you don't have to be spread across different places so I think that's kind of the biggest next step for me How in terms of yeah exactly and I think there's there's actually so many problems in bereavement um, mm. obviously and that we were me and Emily we've kind of been talking about like what are the biggest pain points that people have um, and there's just so many like we were saying earlier about like ringing up the bill companies and like having to say your story a hundred times or not yeah, being able yeah. exactly not being able to access counseling I think there are so many things that actually if we had structure around like a, a structure like one place to go to and say like look I need help in these areas yeah. can you help me that would actually I think anyway, um, be really helpful to a lot of people. So I yeah. think that's kind of what we want to do. We want to create a, a place and a repository. And I think there are places. So there's obviously a lot of charities doing amazing things. And but as we've seen from coronavirus, they're now all really struggling because yeah. they can't operate things in person. Um, it's really difficult for them to see like have financial support at the moment because the charity shops are closed and things like that so I think um sorry my boyfriend's just smiling at me from outside <laughs> <laughs> I think having kind of like somewhere that you can just or even even like directing your friends to if, yeah. if your friend is grieving and you're like oh, I don't I really don't know how to help you but look go here yeah, yeah yeah exactly definitely. something yeah. like that is so worthwhile like people message me quite a lot and say oh I think this would be really useful to my friend how do I send it to them like what do I say and I, and I think people are really scared of suggesting something to people that are, you know, bereaved. And Alex yeah. would just say, like, just take a screenshot of it and be like, just text them and say, don't know if you'd be interested, but came across mm. this, you might find it useful. And that's yeah. it. Like, don't stress about offending them because I don't think they're going to have the energy to be offended about anything like that. Exactly. Like, they're either going to find it they're either going to listen to it, find it really useful, or they're just going to be like, oh, thanks. And then, like, not look. So they're not going to be offended no no way <laughs> um so one of the questions that I absolutely love to ask people is how do you think your kind of grief journey has impacted your life and like do you think it's changed your attitude towards it yeah that's really interesting I actually asked a question on our Instagram the other day of how people found um grief has changed them personally mm. and loads of people responded and then loads of people responded to the respondent responses and said oh my god yeah I completely agree yeah. and I think it really has changed me personally quite a lot I think I think I'm a lot more like probably empathetic and a lot mm. more it this sounds a bit weird but I think I'm more kind of quieter and more yeah. yeah I think when I was younger I was a lot more kind of extroverted like love louder. social love parties love seeing those yeah, yeah exactly whereas now I'm a lot more I suppose like kind of chilled and a bit more um yeah I don't know and I don't know why that is mm. um I read a really interesting I think it was a paper um and it was about how young adults losing a parent how it changes their personality um, and it was basically saying that when you're a young adult, even though you're an adult, a lot of your self-confidence and kind of self-esteem comes from the fact you have parents who yeah. kind of back you and support you and yeah, build you up. Um, exactly. And you know that like whatever situation that like, you have these people that you turn to and they're, they're great and they help you and tell you're amazing. And then I think if you, for me anyway, if you remove one of those people, all of a sudden that young adult, it starts really questioning their identity and who yes. they are and 
like how is they're that, going to make... be successful or if you're even doing yeah. things right like exactly you know. and I think for me my dad was like such a huge influence on my personality and he was like my biggest supporter and I would call him all the time and I would tell him like all these little things and like decisions I'd talk to him about and see what he thought so all of a sudden to not have that person who's like you've got this like that's amazing keep going like try this I was kind of like whoa I'm on my own here yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think there was like a huge at first a huge knock to my self-esteem and kind of it's weird isn't it it shouldn't it shouldn't change your confidence and your self-esteem but it really does no I 100% agree with that definitely yeah yeah and I think obviously through counseling and through time and through having a really great network of friends who were always there um that kind of built itself back up again but yeah I definitely think there's like a a, almost like a quieter presence Mm. in my personality now that necessarily wasn't there before yeah I don't thrive in social situations anymore like I used to um Mm. and even then when I used to I don't know whether that was just because I was faking it and now Mm. I'm actually just realized that that's just not really me at all and like I think as well when you lose somebody you spend a lot of time on your own in your own thoughts Mm. and I think you just kind of become accustomed to being by yourself and that quieter kind of side of life and then you need that to survive because that's what's helped you get through this like yeah change yeah you have to be quite um mindful I suppose of your yourself your personality like what you've been through and you age don't you it feels like you've aged like 10 years and like 40 (laughs) exactly like what you've been through is actually a huge amount of change and potentially trauma in such a young age so I think you do have a completely different perspective yeah a lot of people that I've asked this question to as well have said that like they lack patience like they used to as well um and I don't really know if it's as much patience as it is just like putting up with people's shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good point yeah yeah. you you just you just you kind of like I think your friendship circles naturally get a little bit smaller Mm. because you you value the people that uh you know are a great asset to your life and the people that just make your life more stressful you're just like you know I don't have the energy anymore yeah I just can't yeah that's so true and I've I've been really fortunate and the friends that I had at university so obviously they knew me just well they knew me before my dad died and I'm still really really strong friends with them now Mm. and they're they're basically my kind of like adopted family yeah and I think they've been like a great continuity in that whole process that they've always been there um but I definitely have I've noticed the other day I have like a bit of an emotional trigger when it comes to people with like kind of perfect family lives oh yeah when you see people with like the perfect christmas or perfect perfect birthdays and all their families they've never experienced anything like difficult and you're just like oh honey you just wait (laughs) (laughs) you just wait it's gonna come for you yeah it's so true i think back in the early days my grief i was like so almost like bitter Mm. like if people were kind of like yeah if people had this like amazing so (laughs) one of my like trigger points when I was younger so when my dad was ill I had my 21st birthday and it was obviously incredibly stressful like nothing really happened because Mm. my dad was really ill um and so then for like the next year if I saw anyone having like a big I get that yeah (laughs) I was just like oh I hate them (laughs) yeah can I ask how you felt about like your sister having a baby and your dad meeting yeah yeah oh my god yeah no I completely agree so I think yeah exactly so my sister's seven years older and 
my so they were engaged i think my sister and her husband they were engaged well was like her yeah. at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um they were engaged and then my dad got diagnosed so they'd had this kind of amazing wedding planned for the following year but all of a sudden they were like shit we don't know how because it was quite early on and we didn't know the prognosis and yeah. they were like oh my god like maybe we can't wait the year um so they basically cancelled their wedding and in probably like a month so my dad was diagnosed in october they got married in december wow. they completely changed everything um it's really obviously quite intense for them they had to like replan everything they had a much smaller wedding yeah. it was probably not what they'd wanted in an ideal world yeah um and obviously my dad is in all their wedding pictures and like he walked my sister down the aisle which is yeah. amazing for her like it's um, like I'm so happy that she got that experience but... makes you kind of wish you'd drag somebody off the street and just got married yeah. to them right <laughs> like I'll marry you <laughs> I just got pregnant really quickly <laughs> yeah exactly like as as a younger sister like quite considerably younger than my sister I was in there was no chance I was yeah. going to get married yeah. in the next year it was it was very bittersweet that I was like this is great but I'm never gonna get this and yeah. I'm gonna have to find like choose someone else like my uncle or someone mm. or a family friend to to take the place of my dad in this situation, um, and the same she same so then she got pregnant quite quickly after her wedding because again like her life was all of a sudden on like turbocharge because yeah. she wanted my dad to be to see these things. Yeah. Um, so my dad met his grandchild and they had a really beautiful relationship and there's loads of pictures of them together, mm. um, which again is absolutely amazing. And I think it's really special, but then- You can't help like, but feel jealous. Yeah, for me, I'm like, oh, that's that's nice, but my child won't yeah. have a granddad. And yeah, um, yeah I think the, the wedding thing, like the walking down the aisle thing for quite a while, it was quite a sticking point. And I was just like, God, that's really depressing that I'm not gonna get that. And yeah. it's kind of gone away now because- I'm quite distant from those feelings, but I'm sure when I do, and if I do get married, that is going <laughs> rear its ugly head, and yeah. I'm going to be like, why don't I get married? Yeah, no, I because uh, I'm exactly the same. I've got I've got two older brothers, and um, but the yeah. oldest one, he got married literally a month and a half before my mum died. Wow. Um, so mum's and all those wedding pictures and stuff, and I am just yeah I've got a green eyed I'm green eyed monster about it yeah can't help it but yeah it's just one of those things you can't change it um but yeah Mm. it's just one of those kind of gripes that you have because that that, they're the next biggest milestones aren't they that that person's going to be missing out on yeah like grief Um, is just like constantly just like oh they're gonna miss out on this exactly and you're just like <laughs> yeah and it's just it's back to that thing I think of everyone else having this kind of like perfect picture perfect family and yeah. picture perfect experiences and you're like oh mine's a bit wonky and mine's a bit broken yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah um, so what would you say to somebody else then that has kind of recently experienced a similar loss to you you know mm. kind of gone through the whole treatment process and you know the anticipatory grief um say they've yeah. lost somebody recently yeah it's a really good question and do you know what I actually find it way more harder than I Mm -hmm. think I should find it I think you kind of expect to know what to say because you've had all those emotions you felt all those things um but recently so my boyfriend his granddad passed away not very long ago like two weeks ago now and I was just kind of like oh my god what do I do like what do I say what do I do and it almost felt like I had no like 
it was it felt like I was coming at it fresh like I hadn't experienced my own loss I feel like in some ways it's worse because you know how painful it is for people yeah and you're like quite aware of all the wrong things because they've probably yeah. been said yeah. to you at some point they're in a better place now shut up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they had a long life and you're like doesn't fucking matter <laughs> um yeah and it's just I think I anyway, it just reinforced the fact that everyone's so individual and actually there isn't these like wide sweeping statements that you can say and you can kind of um patch things up with and do you know what my first feeling was to kind of try and fix it which is obviously the 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 thing that everyone gets really annoyed at but my kind of gut reaction was like oh like it's okay we'll sort everything out like I'll help with like all the funeral planning and things and then you have to remind yourself actually like you can't fix this for a person it's a process it's feeling they can feel it for as long as they need um so yeah and I think I also had a, a similar experience so my dad died obviously in the July and then about probably six months later one of my school friends his mum died in a, quite a similar situation. So she had terminal cancer and she had passed away. And I messaged, I remember messaging him and I was like, I'm so sorry. And I messaged him and I was like, I just can't imagine how you're feeling. Like, and of course I could. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'd just been through the exact yeah. same thing. But to like project that onto someone else, I literally thought it was like, must have been the worst thing. And I couldn't imagine how awful he must have felt and how terrible it was for their family. But then when it kind of came to me, I was like, oh, it's just one of those things, like onwards Mm. and upwards, like let's carry on. And yeah, so I think, yeah, I suppose that means you don't treat yourself with the same empathy you would treat other people. No, we don't, we don't, that's so true. But I suppose, I suppose just being like, this is so shit. And I suppose that's another thing people don't do. They don't state the fact that like, this is terrible. They're trying to fix it, silver line, everything. But actually being like, I'm so sorry. Like, that's really terrible that you've lost someone. I can't imagine how you're feeling. Like I'm always here if you want to talk about it. Like, even if it's the stupid things or if you want to vent or if you just want to like chat about the weather, I think letting people know you're there, but also like, people just want to be validated I think so if you're always trying to be like oh they were, they lived a really long life they're in a better place now you're kind of taking that away from them and yeah you're taking that feeling of needing to wallow or to like oh or should to... I should I not be this upset then because they're meant to be in a better place now exactly <laughs> I be like yeah. applauding them <laughs> exactly you're like minimizing all their feelings but actually you just need to kind of sit in those feelings with them mm. and be like god it's really terrible isn't it and I'm so sorry yeah and I'm here for you so yeah but it's it's tricky it's really tricky isn't it it is it is hard and I don't think we ever really know what to say yeah and you know when friends of mine have kind of I've got friends whose parents are undergoing cancer treatment and stuff at the moment and yeah there's only so many times you can say I am here for you to talk if you want to talk you know because that's pretty much the only thing that you can really offer somebody isn't it yeah and people are so individual as to whether they want to do that I think I probably did I probably wanted to vent and be like oh my god we're at the hospital for like five hours today and stuff like that whereas I've got friends who've gone through similar difficulties and they just they don't want to talk about it and and actually similar situation they're very yeah yeah, and that's not how they process and that you kind of have to realize that you're not being a bad friend by them not telling you things they just don't find value in that and you just have to kind of give them that space yeah it's difficult Mm, definitely and well before we finish it would you like to just tell people where they can find Untangle and yeah. you know your kind of Instagram platforms, you know, a bit of self-plugging? Yes, amazing. So um, our Instagram is at Untangle Grief. 
Our website is www.untangle.life. Very snazzy, <laughs> snazzy <laughs> domain handle. Um, and yeah, we on our website, there is a form that you can sign up if you want to be put into one of our support groups. And we'll match you to a group of people that have experienced similar loss to you and a similar person. So for example, you're like a group of people who've lost their mums or for me, a group of people who've lost their dads. Um, and usually by a similar age as well, because I think as well, like obviously yeah. we we were both young when we lost our parents, and it, there's a lot of similarities in that. Mm. Um, and then we run and facilitate those groups. So obviously, if anyone feels that that would help them, then they're more than welcome to join. Or if you just kind of want to be along for the ride, join us on Instagram. Um, feel free to DM us with any questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today. As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well. Coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening and we'll see you next week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.